With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Saturday, September 15th, 2018, and welcome to episode number 122 of the WWS Radio Network's weekly review show. This is WCWS Power Hour. Once again, this is Mr. WCWS Chad Henshaw back on the line here with you, as we, of course, will be talking about everything that went on during the week here, That and that was, of course, the WCWS Radio Network. <clears throat> And, of course, other fun things here as well. Uh, and, of course, like I said, if you like, you care to join us for everything here uh, this, this, this afternoon, this evening, of course, on 122, a power hour. Of course, as always, feel free to give us a call, 1-605-562-0444. Call ID 141-364-POUND. <clears throat> that phone number one more time, folks, 1-605-562-0444. And press that one if you want to chime in on all that we had to talk about here today. Which, of course, pretty much is like we said, we're going to review all everything that took place here in the WWS Radio Network. Plus, also, of course, we'll be bringing we bring you, of course, today here in wrestling history. And also, of course, what has been taking place in the wrestling news scene here today, courtesy of our friends at 411mania.com. Well, let's go ahead and not waste any time here, folks. Let's just get right to it here as we start things off, as always, with our wrestling history here for today, September the 15th. Once again, also, ladies, say a, let's say a thoughts and prayers um, <clears throat> uh, to the folks affected by, of course, as you know, Hurricane, now Tropical Storm Florence, as it continues to make its way through, of course, my region of North Carolina, of course, dumping a whole lot of wind and rain already has affected, uh, of course, to hit the coastline of North Carolina very, very hard. Uh, sadly, there I do have to report that eight people have, have since uh, have, have since uh, been uh, have died from this from this storm for different from different for different reasons now having to do with the effects of, of Hurricane Florence. 
but let's keep our thoughts and prayers um, with those with those families who have been affected by the hurricane. And of course, as our coast continues, like I said, to suffer, it's it's uh, long the effects that will probably last for a little while at least. Um, let's definitely keep our thoughts and prayers with the people here today as well. And of course, like I said, around my area here, of course, WWUS headquarters in Trinity, North Carolina, we continue to hit up rain and wind, like I said, which is like I said, the after effects of this, ma of this major storm. And of course, it should be going through within the next couple of days. So uh, we'll have to keep our eyes open on this date. So history once again, ladies and gentlemen, for September the 15th. Yes, 34 years ago today, which would put it at 1984, at World Wrestling Council's 11th anniversary show in San Juan, Puerto Rico, Randy Savage defeated Pedro Morales to win the WWC North American Heavyweight Championship. 26, year, 26 years ago today, which would put it at 1992, the WWF and Japanese promotion WAR Wrestle and Romance held a co-promoted event. <clears throat> the featured bout Ric Flair and uh, and Tenru fight to a draw in a best of three falls match. Tenru and Flair split the first two falls and the fight to a double countout in the third fall. On the same show, Road Warrior Animal re-aggravates a back injury that forces him away from the ring for over three years. 23 Yes, that's right. 23 years ago today, which would put it at, uh, let's see, uh, yes, 1995, WCW fires Steve Austin. Austin, who was still on the sidelines due to a triceps injury he'd suffered while on a tour in Japan, was mailed his termination notice via FedEx. The report of the firing, as written in the September 25th, 1995 edition of Wrestling Observer Newsletter. And this is a story is as follows. WCW did fire Steve Austin, also known as Steve Williams, on September the 15th. Austin, at the time 30 years old, was considered for years as perhaps the best young wrestler in the United States. His career languished for the past year, almost to the point that he was spoken of, like his former tag partner Brian Pillman, as a wrestler who had made a lot of money by signing good contracts but had great careers ruined by a WCW organization that had been both unwilling and unable to get any wrestlers over. Austin had been in the doghouse with WCW management over the past over the over the past year over a reputation for exactly keeping quiet with his discontent about how he was used and for those involved in cost cutting, seeing the two hundred thousand dollars or so figure he was earning per year while not being involved in any significant programs as wasted money. <clears throat> While on a tour with New Japan in June, Austin tore his tricep and has been out of action since. and was believed to be about six weeks from being ready to return when he was fired. This, of course, paints WCW as a real class organization for firing a guy while injured when he suffered the injury on a tour the company sent him on. Austin's main problem appeared to be in the cliquish nature of WCW, which is consistent not only in wrestling but in most jobs but worse in WCW than most places, obviously. He didn't hang with the right crowd. When the Hogan camp got into power, they dismissed Austin as a highly paid wrestler 
who was a good worker with no charisma and in their view of wrestling, work rate meant next to nothing. The, the Hogan clique basically consisted of WWF first from the mid-80s when wrestling was hot and thus could dismiss any wrestler who came along later as being unable to draw money, forgetting that most of those who drew money in the mid-1980s became suddenly unable to draw money either when the business lost popularity. He wasn't in the player clique either, but nobody spoke up for his work right on the inside and at the meetings. Austin was given a little chance to show his stuff after the career-ending back injury of his main opponent, Rick Steamboat. Austin then suffered a knee injury, which kept him out for a few months. And before he was plugged into a new plan program, a reuniting of his tag team with Brian Pillman, he went to Japan and suffered a tricep tear. It's unknown what Austin's plans will be once he's able to return to the ring, but he will be able to get a strong, a strong spot with EC if he would want if people want it since he's a longtime friend of Paul Heyman, although that would entail a major come down in money. I don't know if he has any connections or made any with all Japan. But if he wants to make a career out of Japan, that promotion and him almost seem tailor-made if he can learn that style and psychology. All Japan needs new foreign stars they can push, and very few Americans have the ability to make it with that group and also potentially fits into that select group. Of course, WWF is the most logical option. He probably could also return to WCW if he was willing to work for less money and a per-night deal, although I'm betting the nature of his dismissal which would almost certainly result in very bitter feelings would make that very difficult. A few hours later, WCW and Gene Oakland's agent, Barry Bloom, agreed verbally to a two-year contract, which, with incentives, is more potentially lucrative than his previous deal, which was said to have had, set, said to have a $250,000 base. Oakland's WCW contract had expired two days earlier and was questionable if the deal hadn't been put together whether he would have appeared at the Fall Brawl pay-per-view show. Naturally, the timing of the Austin firing, particularly being fired while injured, a la Steamboat, and the Oakland Rays didn't sit well with several wrestlers within WCW for obvious reasons. Bischoff actually defended the firing of Austin via FedEx in a 2015 interview with KFAB commentaries, saying it was consistent with Turner policy at the time. Just over a week after he was fired, but still injured, Austin turned up at an ECW show in Middletown, New York. Austin would spend most of his brief time in ECW doing interviews and promo segments. He would wrestle just twice for ECW, both defeats to Mikey Whipwreck for the ECW World Heavyweight title. Austin was in talks to head to All Japan Pro Wrestling, but he would sign with the WWF in December. He would be the forefront of the company's reinsurgence, and by 1998, become the biggest draw in professional wrestling history. Of course, you know him today as, of course, a Hall of Famer and as Stone Cold Steve Austin. 22 years ago today, which is put it in 1996, WCW presented Fall, Fall Brawl War Games, once again from the Lawrence Joe Memorial Coliseum in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, near my neck of the woods. It's the first of four straight years the event would be held in Winston-Salem. 11,300 were in attendance with 230,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. In a testament to the rapid rise of WCW around this time, that's more buys than the last two fall brawls combined, 110,000 in 1994 
and 95,000 in 1995. This was also the first pay-per-view where stars from Mexican promotion AAA competed on a WCW show since When Worlds Collide in 1994. Here are the matches that took place at this fall brawl back in, let's see, what did we say? Uh, Yes, 1996. Uh, DDP defeated Chavo Jr. Ice Train defeated Scott Norton in a submission match. Conan defeated Juventud Guerrero to retain the AAA heavyweight title. Chris Benoit defeated Chris Jericho. Rey Mysterio Jr. defeated Super Cologne to retain the WCW Cruiserweight title. Harlem Heat defeated the Nasty Boys to retain the WCW World Tag Titles. The Giant defeated Randy Savage. And Team NWO, Hollywood Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and NWO Sting defeated Team WCW. Lex Luger, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and Sting in a War Games match. Near the end of the match, the real Sting, <clears throat> who was the one we, of course, we wouldn't know as Sting, cleaned house for Team WCW, then walked out on them. The NWO Sting, who was, of course, Jeff Farmer, submitted Lex Luger with the Scorpion Deathlock to win the match. Excuse me there, folks. My fault. Twenty-one years ago today, on Nitro from Charlotte, North Carolina, Kurt Henning defeated Steve McMichael to win the WCW United States title. The win gives the NWO the top three championships in the company, the WCW World title, United States title, and tag team titles. Amazingly, this is Henning's only single championship in the company. Twenty years ago today, which we put it at 1998, at a Rawls war taping in Sacramento, California, Jacqueline defeated Sable to win the vacated WWF Women's title. The title had been vacated since December 1995 when the WWF lets his entire women's roster go due to budget cuts and Alundra Blaze, also known as Deborah Medusa Maselli, infamously trashed the women's title on WCW Monday Nitro. On that same taping, X-Pac defeated D'Lo Brown to win the European title. <clears throat> Let's see what we have here. Yes, 15 years ago today, put at 2003 on Raw from Columbia, South Carolina. The fabulous Moolah defeated Victoria in just 30 seconds. As the story goes, this was Vince McMahon making good on his promise from a long time ago that she could have a match if she reached her 80th birthday. Post match, Randy Orton delivered an RKO to Moolah. On the same episode, her first in-ring appearance on Raw since suffering a broken neck on the set of the show Dark Angel in April of 2002. In her return, she saves, she saves her sometimes friend, sometimes enemy Trish Stratus from further assault from Molly Holly and Gail Kim. Thirteen years ago today, we put it at 2005, at a Border City wrestling event in Windsor, Ontario, Canada, Jeff Jarrett defeated Raven to win the NWA World Heavyweight title. This was, this was believed to be the first NWA World title match in Windsor in nearly a half century. As the first time the 10 pounds of gold changed hands in Canada since Harley Race defeated Terry Funk for the title in February of 1977. The title change caused quite a bit of controversy as Raven was expected to head into the Spike TV era as the TNA World Champion. 
11 years ago today would put it at 2007. Ring of Honor taped the show called Man Up. Sorry about that. On the Frontier Fieldhouse in Chicago Ridge, Illinois. The show, which did not air on pay-per-view until November the 30th, would be the last for Matt Seidel before leaving for the WWE. Of course, he, he would become known as Evan Bourne. Here are the paper. Here are the pay-per-view matches. Nigel McGuinness defeated Chris Hero, Claudio Castagnoli, who of course now is Cesaro, and Naomichi Marafuji in a four-corner survival match. The No Remorse Corps: Rocky Romero, Davy Richards, and Roderick Strong defeated Brazilians Matt Cross, Austin Aries, and Eric Stevens, two to one in a best-of-three matches series. And here's how it happened. Rocky Romero defeated Matt Cross. Austin Aries defeated Davey Richards. Roderick Strong defeated Eric Stevens. Takeshi Morishima defeated Brian Danielson to retain the ROH world title. And the Briscoes, Jay and Mark, defeated El Generico and Kevin Steen. Of course, Kevin Steen is known as Kevin Owens. And a ladder match to retain the ROH world tag team titles. And matches not airing on this pay-per-view. Ernie Osiris and, o- Osiris and Silas Young defeat Bobby Dempsey and Rhett Titus. Mitch Franklin defeated Alex Payne to retain the ROH Top of the Class Trophy Championship. Amazing Kong and Daisy Hayes defeated Lacey and Snell Ray. The Hangman 3, BJ Whitmer and Brett Albright defeated the YRR, Chasen Rance and Kenny King. Jack Evans and Tyler Black fought for no contest. I do believe Tyler Black would become better known as Seth Rollins. Irish Airborne, Dave and Jake Christ, and also Jack Evans, and the Age of the Fall, Jimmy Jacobs, Necro Butcher, and Tyler Black fought to a no contest in a six-man tag team street fight, and Delirious defeated Matt Sido. Uh, let's see here. Sorry about that again. Folks, 11 years ago today, 2007, Rihanna and Nicole Garcia Colas make their debuts for WWE Developmental Territory Florida Championship Wrestling as Bree and Nikki, the Bella Twins. They debuted with a win over Natty Neidhart and Chrissy Vane. In a bit of trivia, Victoria Crawford, who would go on to moderate success, of course, as Alicia Fox, was the referee. The Twins would make their Main roster debut about a year later. Bree debuted in August of 2008. Nikki in October. Both, of course, as of as of as of of course two years ago, are still with the company, but only Nikki's around in an in-ring capacity. Bree retired following WrestleMania 32 two months after her husband Daniel Bryan retired due to recurring concussions. Nine nine years ago today, which would put it at 2009. Ric Flair signed a deal to return to the ring as part of the Hulkamania tour in Australia. Also nine years ago today, Jim Cornette and B.G. James would be released from TNA. Both had been working as agents for the company, though Cornette also had a hand in TV production. Six years ago today, which would put it at 2012, Ring of Honor presented Death Before Dishonor 10, a state of emergency, from the Frontier Fieldhouse in Chicago Ridge, Illinois. The focus of the show 
was to crown new ROH World Tag Team Champions after one half of the former champions, Kenny King, abruptly left the company for TNA. Of note, both Davey Richards and Matt Hardy made their returns to the, to the company on this show. I hear the match that took place at this event. Scum, Jimmy Jacobs, and Steve Carino defeated Caprice Coleman and Cedric Alexander in an ROH World Tag Team title tournament semifinal match. Darius Thomas defeated Silas Young to qualify for survival of the fittest. Kyle O'Reilly defeated ACH. Rhett Titus and Charlie Haas defeated the Briscoes in an ROH World Tag Team title tournament semifinal match. Jay Lethal defeated Homicide. House of Truth defeated the Irish Airborne, Jake and Dave Chris. Adam Cole, baby, defeated No Fear Mike Mondo to retain the ROH World TV title. Of course, Mike Mondo, you would know him as Mikey, he's a member of the Spirit Squad in WWE. Uh, Scum defeated Rhett Titus and Charlie Haas to win the vacated ROH World Tag Team titles. And Kevin Steen, of course, as we said, Kevin Owens defeated Rhino to retain the ROH World title in an Anything Goes match. Five, five years ago today, which we put it at 2013, WWE presented Night of Champions from the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, Michigan. 10,500 were in attendance with 175 homes watching on pay-per-view, down from 189,000 for, for 2012's edition. In a pre-show match, the primetime players defeated the Usos, Tons of Funk, the Real Americans, and 3MB in a tag team turmoil match to become the number one contender for the WWE tag team titles. Curtis Axel defeated Kofi Kingston to retain the Intercontinental title. AJ Lee defeated Brie Bella, Natalia, and Naomi in a fatal four-way match to retain the Divas title. RVD defeated Alberto Del Rio by DQ in a World Heavyweight title match. The Miz defeated Fandango. Curtis Axel and Paul Heyman defeated CM Punk in a no-DQ elimination handicap match. If Paul Heyman did not compete, he would have been fired. Dean Ambrose defeated Dolph Ziggler to retain the United States title. The Shield, Rollins, and Reigns defeated the primetime players to retain the WWE tag team titles. And Daniel Bryan defeated Randy Orton to win the WWE title. The result was negated the next night in the championship made vacant after it was, it was alleged referee Scott Armstrong and Bryan co-conspired to take the title from Orton. The title would remain vacant for more than a month before Orton won it back. Today, ladies and gentlemen, a very somber birthday. Today would have been the 64th birthday of Keith Frank, best known as Adorable Adrian Adonis. Adonis was an AWA Tag Team Champion with Jesse Ventura in 1980 and a WWF Tag Team Champion with Dick Murdoch in 1984. In the early 1980s, he also contended for the Intercontinental and World Titles. Following the split with Murdoch after losing the titles in 1985, Adonis traded in his biker gear or pink gear and lots of makeup, calling himself adorable. It was also around this time Adonis, who had gained considerable weight since his time with Dick Murdoch, wrestled at his heaviest at around 350 pounds. Adonis in 1986 was a primarily primary catalyst for turning Paul Orndorff heel on Hulk Hogan during his talking segment, The Flower Shop. Adonis' most famous student was against Roddy Roddy Piper, who had ruined his set in retaliation for Adonis taking Piper out at the legs. The war culminated in a hair-versus-hair match at WrestleMania III, 
won by the then-retiring Piper. Piper, who struggled to cut Adonis' wet hair, got help from Brutus Beefcake, who birthed his most, his most famous gimmick, the Barber. Frank returned to the AWA shortly after his WrestleMania 3 uh, shortly after WrestleMania 3, still under the adorable Adrian Adonis gimmick, but now managed by Paul E. His run is highlighted by a feud with Tommy Rich and making it the final the final of the AWA International TV title tournament in late 1987 before losing it to Greg Gagne. An ankle injury forced him to the sidelines in early 1988. Business set the tour with New Japan for wrestling. It was also around this time Vern Gagne stopped paying him. He tried to return to the WWF, but the attempt to come back was unsuccessful. Frank would make that tour of New Japan Pro Wrestling. On the 4th of July, 1988, Frank was one of three men sadly killed in a single car accident when driver Victor Arco swerved off a road in Lewisport, Newfoundland, Canada to avoid hitting a moose. The car careened into a nearby lake side. Only Arco survived the crash and would suffer severe injuries to his legs. At the time of his passing, Frank was survived by his wife and two daughters. So what would have been today his 64th birthday. Happy birthday to Adrian Adonis up there in heaven here today. And there's your wrestling history there, folks, for September the 15th. 1605-562-0444. Call ID 141364-POUND. This is episode 122 of <clears throat> WWS Power Hour for of course, Saturday, September 15, 2018. And of course, once again, this is Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw on the line here with you as we, of course, continue the press on here. Uh, just a few moments ago, during during my birth, histories and birthday segments, uh, <clears throat> excuse me for just, uh, we had a little bit of a power glitch here, but uh, did not seem to affect anything. So, but uh, didn't seem to affect anything here, folks. So we are, like I said, in and like I said, uh, great shape here uh, right now. Did not seem to did not seem to affect the course of the show in any way, shape, or form. So we are continuing to press on here. Uh, but uh, we'll can go ahead and continue on here. As we, of course, uh, now we'll talk about, like I said, what, uh, um, what, of course, took place during the week here in, in the WWS Radio Network. Of course, as you know, we were all getting hyped up here for, of course, tomorrow night's Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. Um, of, course, Raw, of course, like I said, Raw Radio, of course, also talked about uh, some of the bets made for the, uh, some of the, uh, Monday night football games starting up here, college and pro football games. Um, also, of course, like I said, everyone getting hyped up here for, of course, like I said, the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view coming up, as we said, tomorrow night. Uh, we also, of course, uh, talked about our thoughts and opinions about what happened on Raw, about what happened on SmackDown. Uh, Wrestling Revisited was... 
I'm sorry, wrestling debate, excuse me, was preempted to uh, to t uh, tomorrow, uh, I mean, to uh, Thursday night before Wolfpack uh, due to a due to a scheduling conflict. Uh, we did also on Outside the Ropes, we did also start off a Ultimate Movie Trivia Challenge World Title Match between JD and John. And we, of course, like I said, uh, we have paused that match uh, because uh, because, like I said, because uh, JD had to cut out a little bit early before Outside the Ropes went off the air. Um, but, of course, as of right now, the score is, I, I can't go ahead and tell you in that, is that JD is leading John 1,600 to 800. So John is half is, is halfway, uh, about 800 points off away from JD. And his uh, his quest to become, once again, to the to become the, next, the new Ultimate Movie Trivia Challenge World Champion. And of course, we'll be using the same board with not that many more questions left in the uh, But of course, like you said, uh, we did the other night did get predictions in from JD, John and Ann. of course, more big time debates here. Um, of course, going on here, especially with uh, between um, between, of course, JD and Michelle. And of course, like I said, um, also Ann and John have also have a stake in this as well. But uh, we did also come up with a, we came up with a good way to, of course, not only, you know, uh, you know, work, work out the work out that between JD and Michelle and also Ann and John, but of course that one, one of, one of, one of, uh, Either JD or Michelle or Ann or, and of course uh, between Ann and John, one of them would be awarded a trivia championship. Of course, as you know, we have, I have created several new championships here in the last few days. Uh, <clears throat> and what we have decided, what I, I have, what I have decided to do is like this: is that uh, that we will. Uh, that we will, of course, um, that between JD and Michelle in this, in this, of course, whoever has the most predictions correct uh, after Hell in a Cell will be awarded the brand new WCWS Ironman Championship. Uh, of course, Hannah John expressed an interest in this. I have also decreed that between that between Ann and John, whoever has the most predictions between the two of them, would be awarded the new GFWS Global Championship. So there will be two championship belts that will be awarded to the to the one that has the most predictions between the two between between like I said everyone. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of people were asking, you know, where does the Heartbreak Kid Fonzie fit in all of this? Well, ladies and gentlemen, what, what I have decided is, of course, have discussed the matter over with Fonzie. He has agreed to do this. That whomever that uh, I said, whomever picks up the Iron Man title and who picks up the GFWS Global title, he will choose as to who who he would want to face for what title. So it could be between either it could be either JD or Michelle for the Iron Man Championship. Or it could be, or it could be either Ann or John for the GFWS global title. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with, with 
this, folks. And watch this very, very carefully. But uh, but we uh, but we will definitely uh, keep everyone apprised of this. And this and the uh, ceremony to 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 crown the winners of both these belts will take place this coming Tuesday night on Revolution. After, of course, our wrestling news and views, history and birthdays, and everyone's thoughts and opinions on the Raw matches of Hell in a Cell and Monday Night Raw itself. So, so like I said, we will do this. We will award, like I said, like I said, these two belts to their respective winners here. So, <clears throat> and of course, and this all be a very, very unique setup here, of course. Um, also, we got, to, of course, once again here from from the Black Widow Michelle Lynn Dodds as, as well. Um, and in, in addition to, of course, every, everyone here, of course, the Iceman, the Human Suplex Machine, John Grove, the Heartbreak Kid, Fonzie. We did also wish Fonzie a very happy birthday yesterday. Uh, and uh, just some more big time talking here about everything going on here in wrestling. We also, of course, got the final video in for the officially from WWE 2K of the third and final roster reveal video in which they revealed, like I said, this time wrestling legends, everybody, uh, uh, to my understanding, everybody from uh, Mr. Perfect to Booker T to Tatanka to Bret Hart to Papa Shango and the Godfather and, of course, Scott Hall and his and, and also his uh, longtime persona, Razor Ramon, as two separate characters, Kevin Nash and his Persona Diesel as uh, separate characters. Uh, also, Bam uh, Bam Bigelow, the Big Boss Man, London Blaze, Beth Phoenix, Edge, uh, British Bulldog. There was a lot. There was a lot there that was well deserved there indeed. Uh, Jacqueline Ivory, Greg Valentine as well. So we did have a lot of great, a lot of great superstars there indeed. Um, and of course, also last night we did kind of a mix-up here of the um, of like I said, using the the entire roster list for 2K19. As of course, what we did was we just did matches regardless if it was man versus man, woman versus woman, or man versus woman. We just simply just did simple one-on-one matchups here. Uh, so all in all, it was a very good week here indeed. Everybody still, you know, lined up. Fired up, ready to go for, of course, uh, for Hell in a Cell coming up tomorrow night. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget as well our prediction show tomorrow after tomorrow evening at five o'clock right here, special edition of Revolution One Three Eight Zero Five Five Pound. <clears throat> our uh, my video feed will be coming in from WCWS News Channel as myself. The, NWO Gerard King Smith and Black Widow Michelle Lynn Dodds will be coming on to, of course, give our thoughts and opinions about what will take place, of course, at the Hell in Cell pay-per-view, who will win each matchup. And, of course, like I said, Michelle will be definitely picking here very, very carefully, as, of course, she knows that she has an opportunity to earn a championship belt uh, here really, really soon. So we, we can't wait for that, indeed. So. Be sure to join us here for that here tomorrow evening. 
1605-562-0444. Once again, 1605-562-0444. Call ID 141364 pound. This is episode 122 of WWS Power Hour. This is Saturday, September 15, 2018. Uh, Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw here, of course, from WWS World Headquarters in Trinity, North Carolina. Uh, of course, the remaining members of the panel waiting to cut the handle, of course, uh, uh, staying, staying, keeping her cool as best they can here during, of course, uh, the remnants of the storm here. Uh, as we said here before, folks, it was the latest update that, we had, that eight people have since passed on as a result of this storm. Uh, thoughts and prayers are here in the WWS radio network are those are with those families tonight. Um, of course, affected by all this, where there was a lot of folks who decided to ride out this storm and did not want to leave. And that is, and of course, like I said, I mean, wow, that's very, you know, loyal and heroic. I mean, no disrespect intended, but like I said, I mean, they should have just, I mean, one, I mean, in life, we all have to make a sacrifice or two, but these folks did not want to go that far. So, but our thoughts and prayers are with them here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, as we, of course, continue to still suffer the ill effects. Of of course, what is now I think now tropical now is referred to as tropical storm Lawrence, as that swept through this part of the uh, this part of the country. So let's say our prayers for them tonight, here, folks. Indeed. Now let's bring you here a few little pieces of wrestling news here, coming to us here from uh, coming here to us from uh, our friends at 411 here. Uh, we do thank 411mania.com for allowing us uh, for for allowing us to uh, um, to read their stories here in the WWS Radio Network, and of course it, <clears throat> uh, which of course includes um, Revolution, Wolfpack, uh, Outside the Ropes, Power Hour, um, our promos, and of course. And of course, some and, and of course others as well. Uh, let's see what we have here on. Let's see what we have uh, on here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Joseph Lee bring, brings us this story here tonight. As of course, this has this has of course implications here with his match tomorrow night at Hell in a Cell. Uh, but let's see what we have here. Uh, Jeff Hardy promises to do something unforgettable at Hell in a Cell. Let's see what uh, let's see what uh, he has. What uh, was going on here? In an interview with Talksport, Jeff Hardy says he was planned that, that he was planning to do something that fans would never forget at WWE Hell in a Cell tomorrow. He will face Randy Orton inside the cell at the event. Here are some highlights. On competing inside the cell, Jeff Hardy says this: "I've talked about it a lot because the one thing I've never done WWE is a Hell in a Cell match, and now here we are." I'm in a hell in a cell with Randy Orton, and I can't wait to see what I can do inside that cage. I'm going to be very, it's going to be very memorable, 
and I'll do something that people won't forget. I think my thoughts are too, are too big for my size sometimes. I've got a lot of good ideas on what I can do inside that structure. And this Sunday is when we find out what will happen. It will be a very memorable. It'll be very, it's, it's going to be very memorable. And I'll do something that people won't forget. I think my thoughts are too big for my size sometimes. But I got a lot of good ideas of what I can do inside that structure. And this Sunday, then we're going to find what will happen in my politics, but I have to repeat that, folks. It'll be a very memorable Jeff Hardy match. Expect the unexpected. On if he wanted the match, Jeff Hardy said, I never asked for it. And I actually thought it was one of the, those things that would never happen. But when I found out, I got really excited about it. Like a youthful spark from a Jeff Hardy in his 20s. I never asked, but they sure are giving it to me. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens. On how he is preparing for it, what I've done is watch previous matches and then see in my see in my mind what I think might pan out. The cool thing, but also the kind of scary thing, is, is what I see always changes when it comes to the actual reality. Previous Hell in the Cells, I've been watching. Randy Orton has been in six or seven of them, which is crazy. He's very familiar with the structure, and I'm not. But I've got a lot of big ideas, and I'm going to try and pull them off. On Randy Orton ripping at his ear, Pardon says, it has had one time before in another company, so the image, so the image has been out, has been out there. It doesn't really hurt as, as. sorry, our folks, so we just keep getting things in the way here. It doesn't really hurt as once those gates are open or, or on that part of your body is pretty much anything goes. But that's just Randy. He's the apex predator and he'll use anything against you to get what he wants. It hasn't hasn't completely ripped yet, so hopefully he'll stay away from my ear come hell in the cell. Except folks will have to wait and see what happens with that. It's going to be a big time matchup indeed. Joseph uh, Lee posts some WWE news here to, here tonight. Uh, as Ronda Rousey debuts a new move, and fans polled on Elias and Mick Foley. Ronda Rousey debuted a powerbomb variation during her match at last night's live event in Edinburgh, Texas. This was said on Twitter, at Ronda Rousey busting out a new move on Friday against at Alexa Bliss, <sighs> underscore WWE, hashtag, WWE Edinburgh, Edinburgh, so like that. And this was uh, posted by MC's. This was posted at MC Scared of Bees uh, at MMA Mathematics. That's the best way I can pronounce that. That was sent at 10.32 a.m. this morning. Uh... And also, WWE has a new poll asking if Mick Foley is Ryan saying that Elias is a future WWE Universal Champion. 
Believe it or not, folks, 57% voted yes. So, I mean, he could be, a lot of people may not like what he's doing right now. But, uh, but like I said, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't have any doubt in my mind that he, uh, uh, I have any doubt in my mind that he, uh, you know, that, that he could one day go after that big, that, go after the, one of the big titles there, that being, of course, the universal title. Joseph Lee says this, this other story here tonight. Bad luck, Folly or File says the Bullet Club will never come back together. In an interview with New Japan Pro Wrestling, Bad Luck Folly spoke about Kenny Omega as leader of the Bullet Club and said that they'll never be one big group again. And here are some highlights. On if the original Bullet Club's heat was racially motivated, he said, Bad Luck says, no, the heat wasn't racial. Foreigners always have a tough time in Japan. It doesn't matter if you speak Japanese or you have family members here. It's always an upward battle. The heat that we got was purely wrestling. The passion and the drama we had and the people and the, and the people had for pro wrestling. On Kenny Omega as the leader, Bad Luck says, I don't blame Kenny. He's used to focusing on himself, and he took things in a direction that he believed was right. At the same time, though, it went against what we had been building for years. It felt like what we had, had wasn't there anymore. That brotherhood wasn't there anymore. One of the Bullet Club will ever get back together. Bad Luck says, I don't think we're ever going to come back together. Our views of how to take the group forward are too different at this point. The end goal for me will be here in 10 years. Whatever happens to the club, it's not something I really think about. The end goal is for us to work together and it will still be here in another 5 or 10 years from now. We'll have to wait and see what happens. I would mind, we mind, all would mind seeing the Bullet Club come back when we come. Lee brings us to this story here again. Uh, it's important that Bruce Pritchard says says that WWE that, that WWE almost repackaged Headbanger Thrasher as an evil clown. In the last episode of Something to Wrestle With via Wrestling Inc., Bruce Pritchard spoke about how Headbanger Mosh got repackaged and how Thrasher was almost an evil clown. Here are some highlights. On head, Headbanger Mosh as Beaver Cleavage, Bruce Pritchard said, Headbangers were on the shelf because Thrasher, of course, Glenn Ruth, was injured. He had a knee injury and was on the shelf. Mosh was not. Mosh, of course, Chaz Warrington, was sitting there, a hell of a talent, and we thought that we had gone as far as we could go with the Headbangers. Maybe we could do something with them individually. Chaz Warrington had made the mistake of showing me his driver's license one time and made the comment that people always made the comparison of him looking like Beaver Cleaver, which I started calling him the Beeb from that point. Let's see. Ford, which everyone's, which everyone started calling him the Beeb, it was my fault, but I didn't know they would end up calling him Beaver Cleavage. That was a Vince Russo brainchild. Yes, it was my fault for calling him Leave It the Beaver or calling Beave. Yes, I might have said, hey, why don't we just call him Beaver Cleaver's son? The rest of it just went within the mind of Vince Russo's, 
yes, I'll take credit for effing that up. That is what happens when you make suggestions sometimes. Suggestions become reality, and then you go, oh, my God. On Headbanger Thrasher almost becoming an evil clown. Uh, Bruce Pritchard reports, the idea behind that was to essentially take Doink the Clown, create a new Doink the Clown. I felt like felt that Glenn Ruth had the ability wrestling-wise to be that evil, sick worker. Born the original Doink the Clown, and I obviously that Doink the Clown gimmick. The idea behind my new character was going to be something else. Of course, you remember if you, uh, did you ever see Saturday Night Live with Dan Aykroyd, and he's doing the Bassomatic. Of course, the, the blender, when she was blending fish in the blender. That was going to be my character. Part of it was for me to collect the basketball and the deer head and all that other BS. We were going to do an, an auction site to, to boot, and I was going to be the host of this auction site. We would sell all that stuff towards an auction, and, and it was just going to be part of the show. Another way to drive people to WWF.com. And in that, I was going to become a heel character to be in charge of DTK Enterprises, which was Doink the Clown. Get it? You spell clown with a K. Black hair, black mustache, and goatee and everything. I showed up at TV with my hair black, and I swear I look like Bradshaw's older brother. So it's a good thing they didn't go that route with them. Like I said, head, the handbaggers, like I said, were like I said, one, one heck of a tear indeed. We have any other, any other news to report here? Uh, here. Uh, Joseph Lee brings us a story here today, some WWE, WWE news. Uh, of course, a, a video, they have a video out of the uh, Hell in a Cell structure being built. And also an NXT NXT star retires, boot, retires their boots. WWE has posted a live video of the Hell in a Cell structure being built before tomorrow night's pay-per-view event. In the video, it is revealed that the cell is now colored red. Hmm. NXT's Dominic Dajovic announced on Twitter that he has retired a pair of wrestling boots that he used since his WWE, WWE tryout in 2013. He posted this on his Twitter account at Dijakovic WWE. Um, it was sent at 11.57 a.m. on the 13th, he says. First wore these boots to FCW in Tampa, June 2013, to a at WWE tryout. I, I wore them in every match I ever wrestled, and their final moment in the ring was this past Sunday following an NXT championship match versus Ta Tommaso Ciampa. Thank you, Stagecoach Wrestling Boots. Hashtag feast your eyes. And also at 9.29 p.m. Uh, last last night, uh, he posted on his Twitter account, out with the old and in with the new. Thanks again, Stagecoach Wrestling Boots. They're DA, they're, they're darn beautiful. Hashtag feast your eyes. Hashtag dark side. Very nice boots indeed there, folks. 
And one more quick story to bring you here before we close up shop here for this evening for this edition of Power Hour. Uh, of course, I saw this video earlier today. Joseph Lee brings us his story. The Undertaker talks about wrestling with injuries during his historic Hell in a Cell match in 1998. WWE.com via Wrestling Inc. has posted a rare interview with The Undertaker in which he talks about wrestling Mick Foley at King of the Ring 1998 inside the Hell in a Cell match, which he did with injuries, believe it or not. Here are some highlights. On throwing Foley off the top of the cell, The Undertaker said, Honestly, I did not expect him to get up from that. He hit and finally started moving around. I was like, man, that's one tough that's a son of a gun right there. On wrestling with injuries at the event, Undertaker says, yeah, I did happen to have a fracture in my ankle. It was such an important time in the business, you know, you, you, you knew you had to do it. So you just grit your teeth, go in there and do what you do. On starting the match on top, Undertaker says, to be completely honest, it's like, crap, am I going to be able to get up there? The answer is yes. Does I mean I would have gotten up there? I don't care how, but I would have gotten up there. On Foley decided not to take the choke Sam on his shoulders to avoid landing on, on his head and neck through the cell. Undertaker said this. I totally agree with that. I mean, we're talking to a couple of injuries with even the way and with even the way he landed. That could have been catastrophic. I mean, it really could have. But I stepped off the panel and onto the support bars. If I hadn't have done that, we both would have gone through that together. You can imagine if I had stayed on that panel, my way would have probably been on him as well. Then what happens? It's a scary thought. And the video of YouTube now out there, folks, like I said, WWE posted that here earlier. Got opportunity to listen to that. And they interview, of course, Nick Foley, The Undertaker. Uh, the referee from that match, Tim White, uh, Jim Ross, uh, then commissioner at the time, Hall of Famer Sergeant Slaughter. I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, things going on with that, folks. So, uh, but on the 20th anniversary of this match, of course, we're going to see Mick Foley actually referee the Universal Title match between Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman tomorrow night. So it's all be pretty darn good there, indeed. On that note here, folks, I do want to thank you for listening in here today to episode 122 of, <clears throat> of WWUS Power Hour. Um, of course, as you know here, folks, uh, be sure to join us tomorrow afternoon at 5 p.m. for our prediction show for Hell in a Cell, special edition of WCWS Revolution 138055 pound. Our live video feed will be from WCWS News Channel. Be sure to join us for that. Um, of course, where it stands right now, JD, John, and Ann have gotten their predictions in for for the show uh, tomorrow night. Uh, pretty much everybody has voted pretty much on the same on the same stuff here. Uh, JD, John, and Ann agree. Right, I'll say this, I'll talk about this real fast. Uh, JD, John, and Ann agree that Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella will defeat the Miz and Maurice. Uh, JD believes that Samoa Joe will win the WWE title. John and Ann feel that AJ will retain. SmackDown tag titles, which we found out from JD on Revolution last night, will be the pre-show match for this event. Um, <clears throat> that, as far as representing the New Day in this match, uh, JD feels that it will be Big E and Kofi Kingston, but he feels that Rusev Day will win the belts. 
John feels that it will, he feels that it will be Big E and Xavier Woods representing the New Day in this match, but he also feels that Renee is going to win. And Ann feels that it will be Big E and Kofi that will represent the New Day, but she feels that the New Day will retain. Universal title match, J.D., John, and Ann feel that Braun Strowman is going to pick up the belts. Uh, the Raw Women's Title Match, all three agree that Ronda Rousey is going to retain the Raw Women's Title. Uh, match between Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton inside Hell in a Cell. JD and Ann feel that Randy Orton's going to win. John feels that Jeff Hardy is going to win. SmackDown Women's Title Match, JD and John feel that Becky Lynch is going to pick up, pick up the belt from Charlotte. Ann feels that Charlotte is going to retain. And as for the Raw Tag Team titles, J.D. feels that Dolphin Drew is going to retain. John feels that Rollins and Ambrose are going to win the match, but they're going to win, going to win the match by DQ. And Ann feels that Rollins and Ambrose is going to win the match and the belts. So there you go. And we hope to hear from everyone else here. Uh, we may get a we may get a visit here from, um, like I said, the Black Widow Michelle Lynn Dodds tomorrow. We hopefully we'll get to hear from King and W.O. Jamar T. Smith. And we'll also hopefully get to hear from uh, the Heartbreak Kid Fonzie as well on who, who we think will win each of the uh, will win each of the matches here, the eight matches that will be taking place tomorrow night at Hell Cell. So be sure to, to chime in and we'll let you know what all happens here, folks. And remember, opportunity to become WWS Iron Man champion and GFWS Global Champion is at stake in these in these on for the as far as these predictions are concerned. So so uh, everyone knows the full extent of that and we can't and we can't wait to of course have that ceremony coming up on Revolution next Tuesday. So on that note here folks, I do thank you once again for listening to episode 122 of WWS Power Hour. Be sure to listen in like I said tomorrow afternoon at 5 p.m. With our live video from WWS News Channel, of course, our prediction show for Hell in the Cell, as we give our thoughts and opinions on what will take place for each of the eight matches at this at this show here tomorrow night. For the entire panel, way too tough to handle. This is Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw saying thank you very much for listening here tonight, and we will talk at you here, of course, uh, tomorrow during our prediction show. And also, of course, during our promos, we'll be giving our thought. We'll be giving updates, of course, on Hell in Cell as well. <clears throat> Power Hour episode 122 is a broadcast of the WWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoe.com, where we are three years older and continuing to be bolder. The radio network continues to be and will forever remain your wrestling and pop culture connection. Take care of yourselves out there, folks. <clears throat> Stay safe, of course, during... What's what the aftermath and the remnants, of course, of Hurricane now Tropical Storm Florence? Say a prayer for all those that were affected by the storm, storm's impact. Families of those who have passed on, of course, as we sadly last report, eight people sadly lost, sadly lost their lives during this storm. But say prayers for them there as well. Take care of yourselves and each other. We will see you in the ring and also the red carpet. And as always here in the WWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoe.com, God bless everyone and have a great evening and a great and a great night. Take care, folks.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.